Happy Friday, everybody. I am Steph Lee. I'm the founder of Host Agency Reviews, and this is the Friday 15, where every Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time, we go ahead and answer your industry questions that you've submitted to HAR. So again, very exciting this week because I have a co-host. So I would love to welcome Mark Meter with Asta. Mark, welcome. Thank you, Steph. Great to be here. Yeah, very exciting because it's Friday, first of all. We've only got half a day left. It's Arbor Day, which is also everyone's favorite non-holiday. Yes. <laughs> we're going to um, go plant a tree. I know. We're going to go plant a tree this afternoon. That's, That's what we're right. going to do. That's right. Um, so let's see. We've got some questions that have come in, and we've got a great one, actually. Um, to For those that don't know Mark, Mark has been at Asta. How long have you been at Asta for, Mark? Almost, uh, almost exactly seven years. Yeah, so Mark's been an asset for a long time. He's very instrumental. We work with him a lot at HAR on different projects and different things, and he's he's just a wealth of knowledge about the industry. So when this question came in, um, I was like, this is perfect for Mark to give us an update. So um, let's go over our first question from Rob, and this is what Rob says. So someone needs to sound the alarm. First, we saw the online platforms. Now the large suppliers are taking advantage of travel agency advisors. Travel industry commissions are now under siege by hotels following the airline strategy to reduce costs at the price of relationships with agencies and advisors. They add special fees to the base rate to avoid taxes and consequently reduce our commission. Congress wants full disclosure of the total price to consumers. However, small businesses are at a distinct disadvantage as well. Do we have a voice on these issues? And then Rob also um, linked in his email to um, one mile at a time.com, which goes over the Marriott hotel sustainability fee. And I'll link to that in the resources, but Mark, talk to me about ask to stance on this because it is very annoying when you get your bill and it's, you know, you're paying some kind of a sustainability fee yeah. or exercise fee that you've never opted into. So, yeah, it's been, it's a really good question, Steph. And it is something indeed that we had asked to have been focused on for quite some time with all our hotel partners. You know, there's uh, something longstanding called hotel resort fee. And whether you call it a resort fee or a sustainability fee or any other kind of fee, uh, really the intent is uh, for the hotel to sort of, if you will, unbundle some of their offerings and then look to uh, not necessarily charge separately, but indicate them in a different manner than they would in the normal display of what the cost to the consumer would be. Um, historically, that has been displayed perhaps a little bit uh, lower um, uh, in priority. It doesn't show up until later in the booking process or even later in the shopping process. So initially, when uh, the travel advisor or the traveler look at what the, the price of a hotel stay might be, it appears to be lower than what it ultimately is because that initial price does not include whatever that fee might be. Again, it could be a sustainability fee, as I think Rob uh, pointed out, it could also be a resort fee. Uh, and then what the purpose of those fees are for is frankly not always clear. It's often a resort fee might include things like uh, a newspaper in the morning or- Access, access to the elevator. Access, <laughs> right. Well, or access to the gym or a bicycle uh, all sorts of things that could be included that, frankly, you may or may not want as a traveler. Um, sustainability fee 
uh, in my my view, is a little bit less clear unless the hotelier specifies exactly what that uh, sustainability fee is going towards. You really kind of don't know. So, long story short, yes, it is uh, been a a longstanding issue for us at Asta. We've been pushing very hard on virtually all the the major and significant hotel uh, companies uh, to um, uh, take a relook at those kind of fees and, and the fairness of them, because in addition to that, the fees as charged do not normally qualify for any commission mm -hmm. that might be paid. And that's obviously problematic as well, because from our view at Asta, we believe that, that those fees really should simply be part of the base fare. Yeah. The base cost of whatever that uh, room charge is. But because it isn't, um, oftentimes the hotel does not pay commission off that on that fee, but simply, you know, the, the, the more uh, base fare that uh, is exclusive of uh, any fee like that. So in addition to ask the pushing heavy on uh, hotels to relook at that, uh, there have been a number of lawsuits uh, in the last year or so, uh, maybe in some cases even longer, uh, the District of Columbia, uh, Pennsylvania, Nebraska have all filed lawsuits and there's been uh, much discussion at the, the government level, if you will, in terms of uh, uh, that process. The good news is that in uh, one particular uh, circumstance, um, Marriott in particular has agreed to make the fee uh, these fees more prominent and uh, more obvious and uh, easy to find early on in the shopping and booking process. That's great news because it is one, or I should say it's one step in the right direction because the fees therefore are more prominent. The problem that remains though is that they are still not subject to agency commission. Yeah. So it's easier to see them. Uh, and, I, and we expect where if it hasn't happened already, other hotels will follow. Again, it's the result of the lawsuits that have been in play uh, in various states, but we believe that other uh, uh, hoteliers will follow. The next step, though, will be to make them uh, commissionable. Um, at, at the same time, I would say that, you know, it, it's important that agencies and advisors need to be confident that they ensure that the that they charge a fair price for the unique value of the travel advisor services that they provide to their clients. And, and it's just more encouragement to not solely rely on commissions as their only or prime source of compensation. It's not to say that commissions aren't important, they are, but be careful if it's your only source of compensation because um, it, you know we may frankly see more in keeping with uh, uh, commission impacts like this that we're talking about now. Yeah, uh, but you know, that's actually a great segue and you didn't even plan this, Mark, but our travel agent survey just opened our annual yeah. survey, which we're working with ASTA on. So yeah. if you're listening and tuning in, uh, go to hostagencyreviews.com slash survey to take the survey. Within there, we ask about fees, 
who's charging fees. We break it down and we share the information with the entire travel community. So um, really important for you to go in there. We saw a drop in the number of people that were charging fees during COVID during last year's report. And we'd love to see if people are back. But the, the thing with last year's is we had a lot more people saying they were thinking about charging fees within the next 12 months. So we'd love to hear um, your right. thoughts and what your business practices are. So please, please, please go there um, and fill that out. And again, and again, Stephanie, that's right. It, it's a great source, a great place to uh, provide us the data that, that would be very helpful as we look at trending, et cetera. But e again, even from an ASTA perspective, though, we do encourage the use of fees, which can come in many different forms, right? So uh, whether it's a, a hourly charge or a flat fee or a subscription fee, there's many different ways that you can you can uh, consider such. But it, I think, behooves you, behooves the travel advisor to seriously consider that uh, as a means of uh, uh, compensation. Yeah, um, and we have quite a few resources on the site for anyone that is interested in learning about like creative fee structures. I'll put a link yeah. in for that one and how to charge fees. If you're yep. new to it and you're feeling nervous, this can give you yes. not only some, but some ideas. That's right. And we had asked to have a lot of uh, 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 education on the topic as well as part of our Verified Travel Advisor program. And then oftentimes uh, at various events that we hold uh, through during the course of the year, we offer those same programs as educational sessions. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it can be in the form of, a, for example, a pre-global convention webinar that we might hold for those that are registered. So there's all way different ways that you can access that. And it's really good and insightful information, especially if you're not sure about whether fees make sense for you or not, this will help you um, better dig in and understand what the uh, implications are and uh, how, how you might make best use of them. Mm -hmm. I'll put a link in um, to ASTA's VTA program as well as to the Great. global convention and will um, the HAR team is planning on going to it. So if you Very haven't good. registered yet and you want to hang out, make sure to register. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So let's move into question two. This is from Ria. Uh, does ARC accredited mean having your own IATA? And for those that have no idea what that means, those are acronyms. They're essentially accreditation numbers that travel agencies use. So, Mark, do you want to take a stab at this one? I'm happy to. Yeah, I can see and understand why it can be confusing to people. But in simple terms, there's you might think of it this way. So ARC, ARC, the Airlines Reporting Corporation, is the ticketing settlement. They do many things, a large amount of uh, responsibilities, but one of the key responsibilities they have is to process airline ticket settlement specifically in the United States. They only do it in the United States, which of course is huge. I want to say there's, uh, uh, in 2019, I think the number was 90-something billion dollars with a B, of tickets, air tickets were settled through ARC by wow. processed by uh, U.S. travel agencies. So travel agency, our airline tickets issued are uh, equal to a lot of money in a very good year. So ARC does that. They have what they call an ARC accredited agent program. And that ARC accreditation consists of a, a kind of a, a number of items that you have to go through in terms of for example, the location, you've got to be located and authorized to do business within the U.S. or the Virgin Islands or Puerto Rico or American Samoa. Uh, you have to have uh, a, there's an application fee for it. I believe it's 
$2,300 for new agencies. Um, you've got a, the agency has to provide a bond, a letter of credit, uh, or a cash deposit in the minimum of about $20,000 to be accredited. And uh, you've got, you have to have a designated agency manager, certain documentation. And what this accreditation does for an agency is give you the authority to literally issue airline tickets uh, here in the US. So you can issue tickets in the US, but for any destination worldwide. And then in, in return, that ticket is settled through ARC and ARC then processes, processes the, uh, the, the, the dollar the transactions, whether credit card or cash, and make sure that the monies go to the right places, depending on carriers, airlines, et cetera. So that's would it how be, it, yeah, would it be um, correct to look at it as saying like ARC is like the bank, the middleman bank for well, agencies? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I sometimes look at them as being sort of like the, they're like the, the um, uh, what do you call it? The, the, not the World Bank, but they are the, they're the bank in a sense that does the settlement. They're not truly mm -hmm. a bank, but they are the indeed the, um, uh, the, the bank that takes care of processing the monies and determining where the monies go, et cetera. And that's mm -hmm. specific to the United States. So in, in addition to that, they also have for those agencies that are not wanting to process their own uh, tickets, they have another program called the ARC Verified Travel Consultant um, Program. They call it VTC. And it enables you, it goes through um, many of the similar processes, except the, the dollar amount for joining or, or being part of the verified uh, program uh, is much less. I want to say the application fee is only $195, uh, which, is, which is far, far, far less. And it does a lot of the same as the, the, the true accreditation, except it does not authorize you to literally issue air tickets. What it does is it gives you an ARC number that you can then use to, for example, you know, prove or show your viability uh, as a true uh, travel agency in the United States. Uh, it can that number that you're issued can be used to um, collect commissions. Uh, it really gives you and shows you the, some uh, the authority that you have. It just simply does not allow you to uh, process air tickets. So and just just to clarify for everyone too, like when we're talking about processing air tickets, this is something like if you're booking through Delta Vacations, yeah. that's not processing an airline ticket. That's so right. we're talking specifically about using the GDS system. So ARC is yeah. very is tied 100% to having the GDS yeah. and access to that system. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. There are other ways. So if you issued an air ticket through like a cruise lines um, uh, air res system or or a consolidator. Air Consolidator or some other means. If you if you book tickets direct yourself on the airline's website, mm -hmm. or uh, or a uh, OTA tool, an online travel agency, etc., that does not count. The only thing this does is allow you directly to issue the air ticket. In the old days, you would be issued a plate uh, with the airline's name, and you'd have every airline uh, known to man, and you could literally process a paper ticket. Obviously, that has gone away, but uh, in essence, it's it's a very similar process. On the other side of the coin, IATA, the International um, uh, uh, Air, IATA, Transport Air Transport Association. Association, is the body that takes care of the same ticketing settlement for virtually every other part of the world, mm -hmm. uh, except for the United States. Do you so, know why that is? 
I'm just curious right now. Uh, just it's just it's it's the way it was set up uh, many years ago. I did look at the history one time, and I'm ha I can find that for you, Steph, and send it to you. It's a little. Oh, that'd be so fun! I love history. It's interesting, but indeed, it's set up very uniquely and differently. Um, it has to it has to do with uh, deregulation and a lot of changes that occurred many years, if not decades ago, and they, mm. were, they were set up distinctly and different. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, and there, yeah, there's a whole background. I'm happy to uh, find and share with you some links. I would love that. Let's talk about that. It, it's cool stuff. Yeah. So IATA takes care of that part of uh, settlement for literally the rest of world, and each country or uh, in some cases area has what's called a BSP, a bank settlement um, a processing plan. system, a bank settlement plan that takes care of the. Uh, in a similar way, not identical, but in a similar way as ARC does, it takes care of ticketing settlement as well. In addition to that, IATA has a subgroup or subsidiary called IATAN, I-A-T-A-N. So confusing. Which is really similar or, or nothing more than the issuance of a number to uh, you, to a, a, an agency that can be used in a similar way that the ARC number can be used for commission collection and that sort of thing. But the IATAN number does not give you uh, permission to ticket air uh, segments. Uh, it is simply a recognition as to your status within the industry. There's a form you fill out, there's a small nominal fee, uh, and in return you get that IATAN card and number that you can use for commission collection purposes, uh, for, for industry identification purposes. If you were an agency, you know, an agent or an advisor uh, traveling and looking to make use of a industry rate, you might be able to use that number to acquire that rate, sort of proof of your um, engagement involvement in the industry with uh, some background checking that IATA does to ensure that's the case. Okay, quick follow-up question, then we'll move on to the next one. I just have so many questions about this. <laughs> so it's my understanding that, because I have looked into this for years, trying to like, because it's, it's very confusing the relationships between all of these. Like if you have ARC, do you need yeah. IATA or IATAN? But it was my understanding that IATAN is US-based and IATA is the rest of the well, world. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, IATAN is really there to provide, as I said, the an identification number uh, for a vetted, agency in the u.s yeah mm -hmm. they are, uh, i believe iatan is based out of their um iata's office in miami uh iata's actual worldwide headquarters is in montreal but the iatan team is out of miami uh and then of course iata has a huge um, uh, presence in uh, offices in switzerland yeah so i I'll, i'm gonna put a link in to our travel agency accreditation article which goes over the other types of accreditation i'll put one in for the gds you heard me say that earlier, that's the global distribution system. Um, if it's something you're not familiar with, you probably won't ever need it, but there's an article on it. It's, it's mostly for corporate agents, if that's something you're, you're interested yeah. in. And you know, one other point, uh, Steph, that I think is relevant, and that is if you are a member of a host agency, then you are likely doing your air ticketing through that host. And so mm -hmm. the host that you use is indeed ARC accredited they are, you know, most likely booking through the GDS or similar, uh, and it is um, it is the host agency that's doing the ticketing for you, um, on, on, literally on your behalf. Yeah, uh, they are. They would be ARC accredited. Yeah, and I would I would say probably like um, maybe like 
this isn't a great range, but like 60 to 80% of hosts on our site are have GDS. There are some hosts that just don't even touch the GDS system. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So we've got another one. Um, this is our last question. This comes from Anonymous. And it says, I make all the travel arrangements for our company simply by going directly to the website and making reservations for 15 years now. It used to only be airfare and the occasional hotel. Now they want me to become the travel desk and make all the arrangements company-wide. I bought the Astor Roadmap to becoming a travel advisor course back in December. Love it, but only three quarters finished reading. I get so far and have so many questions. In my dreamy world, I would join a host I would join a host, which would first and foremost help me achieve my current role responsibilities of being the travel desk. This would give me time to learn and grow. So there's not like a specific question in here, but what I wanted to talk about, um, Mark, was kind of if, because we get these questions occasionally that come in, someone that's booking informally, not technically as a travel agent for a company, um, and they're kind of wondering can they do this? Can they make a living off of it? So I wanted to talk about the kind of the ethics behind it. If you're an employee, do you need to talk to your employer? Or can you be booking this on the side and making the money? Um, when you're you're doing the contract and signing up with a host, would you sign up? Um, or is it your company that's going to sign up? So what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's an interesting question. And I think the there's a variety of ways that could be looked at. Um, it's or a, a variety of dependencies. So it really it uh, depends on what it is exactly that the individual is looking to do. Um, you know, I do think that uh, you may be, if, if you are today working for a small company and doing the company's travel reservations and going directly to various suppliers, that's, that's okay, except that you may not be able, you may not be getting the best deal, you may not be getting the best support from the particular travel suppliers that you could be taking better advantage of. There's different ways to do that depending on the size of your company. Um, you, you could um, uh, you know, either form uh, your own agreements if you're large enough directly with various travel suppliers to ensure that you get uh, what you need. Um, you, might also, you might also, if you're going to issue airline tickets, I mean, it's very much in keeping with what we just talked about, which is uh, airline ticket accreditation or ARC accreditation if you're going to be issuing air tickets and have the, the plethora of uh, ticketing and fares that are available through the GDS. Um, but if I'm not sure uh, how the, the, the how Anonymous is uh, using uh, the process or the system to make bookings, I'm not sure how they are making money uh, off of it. I, 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 that part I don't understand from the question. Yeah, I don't think they're making any right now. They're just booking it. Just booking it. So mm -hmm. really then, the, the issue I think is that to get better service and better support from travel suppliers, uh, they're going to be better off depending on their size and the volume of travel that the company does. And just so you know, this one is doing like, um, they said they're booking multiple tickets every week in hotels. So they, they do a significant amount of travel. Yeah, I mean, and and what it what may be significant to them might be not so significant to others. There are large TMCs out there today, travel uh, travel management companies that do nothing but book corporate travel for yep. various agencies. They're huge, and I mean, if you think about it, Steph, I know you know this. There are very think of the very large companies that are out there today that just have millions of dollars worth of travel booked every year uh, because of the nature of their business. You can think about any large corporation could be based anywhere that really has the need to do that. So oftentimes they 
uh, either employ a travel management company, uh, which is a which is a uh, otherwise a large uh, travel agency. Uh, some examples would be Carlson Wagenly, BCB Travel, Amex, uh, GBT, Global Business Travel. Uh, these are companies that specialize in doing just this sort of booking, but they're big because their mm-hmm. customers are big. So, you know, they make use of the great tools that are available, but they also have wonderful, um, or I should say, hopefully wonderful agreements with the various travel suppliers that get the best deal for the corporation that they're booking the travel for. And then they are able to charge fees to that corporation or uh, collect commission incentives, et cetera, as they do so as well. So, you know, if, if you're a, a smaller uh, agency doing some uh, corporate uh, travel bookings, I would you know, look at, um, I'd look at it if you're, if you're a member of a host, I would look at it through the host and take advantage of the various services, support, and uh, revenue sharing that the host might offer so that you can actually get uh, better deals based on the strength and volume that the host might uh, provide. And again, that would be for the smaller uh, yeah. And, and yeah. smaller can be even in the low millions of dollars, you know, that's just, it's not huge. But it's great for um, it's, it's a great for a host. It's great it's, for that's right. Yeah, that's right. So that's how I would look at it and approach it. Yeah, and then in terms anonymous of like the ethics behind it, um, I would definitely encourage you to be open and honest with your employer about it. I think it would be awkward if they found out you were booking it and making money on the side. So oh, the yeah, and I agree with you, Steph. I don't. That's the part I kind of don't understand how they would be. Um, booking travel and making money on the side. I don't, I don't know if that means. Well, if they signed up for a host was the oh, I see. kind of, I think, yeah, like if she signed up for a host um, and then started booking it, but I would make sure that the contract is between your company and yeah. the host agency. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah you want to be, I mean, especially if you're an ASTA member, it, you know, our ethics are quite uh, significant and serious and, and we would expect that a ASTA member indeed is uh, ethically doing what's right. So. And and speaking of, so we're going to put a couple links in for Asta. One is for their membership. If you're not a member already, it's a great way to support the industry. They're out there working and watching for legislation that hurts travel agencies. And right now, we all know we're in a very precarious position. So it's wonderful to have them fighting for us. Um, so we'll put a link to that. We'll put a link to the Asta course on the roadmap to becoming a travel advisor that was mentioned in the question. Um, and then we'll also put a link to the promo code for that. And then, um, Mark, if anyone has any questions on this or wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, um, you can reach us at, um, at our email address, askasta, uh, is a great way to contact us, uh, get your questions to us, and then we kind of sort through them as they come in and determine who at ASTA can uh, best answer them for uh, the individual that's posing the question. Perfect. We'll put that link in. Um, yes. And then for next week, um, make sure to join us. We have uh, Lori Spears, the president of Lavarte Travel. Um, and we're gonna be talking about how easy it is to switch from a sole prop to an LLC. Um, if there's specific host agencies that are better for uh, an agency that specializes in, in LGBTQ plus. Um, and then we have a question that came in from someone wondering if they should use the IATAN or CLIA to book their group cruise. So, um, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, great to talk and, to you today. As, as always. always. <laughs> yes, definitely. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next Friday.
Thank you. Great. Thanks, Mark. I know you've got to run. Yes, so. I do.